All right, guys, thanks for joining us today. This, of course, is Paul Wilson, and you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris Emke is going to come into the show a little bit later when we interview our guest star, sponsored by Calibrated Power. And that's going to be our talk with Brad Sankey, who just recently completed his Diesel Power Challenge 2019 competition. Uh, He was... A real competitor there. He laid it down in the sled pole. And we're going to talk to him all about his old rusty LLY and what it was like being out in Denver competing with a whole lot of high horsepower trucks. To kick it off today, though, I wanted to give a shout out to WC Fab for sponsoring our From Facebook segment. Today, I'm going to be reading off a message from Denny Dave. Uh, Dave, well, well, here's what he says. Good day, guys. I only just discovered your podcast last week and have listened to shitloads of episodes at work in the tractor. I found you guys whilst looking for info on tuning the 2008 QSB 67 in my 1984 F250 two-wheel drive ambulance. I live in Denaquillion? I don't know something austria i live in australia and there's fuck all in the way of tuning diesels in my area any suggestions on tuning hardware software that is actually usable on this motor or am i kidding myself love your show and thanks for any advice i'll send some pics of the ambo which is used as a camper van out in the outback desert regards dave guys i'm gonna post some of these pictures on our facebook page so you guys can take a look at it uh, it's definitely something every one of our listeners wants to drive at least once. Um, I let Denny know on this one, hey man, yeah, we, we do tune the 2008 QSB 67. We use our power manager on it and potentially our HD EFI Live AutoCal, just depending on what we're able to get the, the stock read with and, and what's going to be best for the customer. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of applications on those. I did not realize outside of the u.s apparently they had them in ambulances hey if you guys got crazy pictures of wild vehicles that most people didn't know existed with a diesel send them my way uh that's paul at duramaxtuner.com or hell just jump on over to our facebook page and post up a picture of craziest two-wheel drive uh we'll make sure we share it and promote it and kind of get it out there as well we'd love to see them uh speaking of crazy cool stuff uh, Exergy is bringing us our diesel story of the week. Uh, this story actually comes right from our shop. Uh, one of our guys recently started working on his LML, and he's a tech. Uh, I think he's going to be getting involved in some of the the more action uh, out in front with the the group this year over the summer sled pulling. But he's got a 2013 LML. We've done some pictures. We've done some videos with the truck before. It's a beautiful quad cab short bed. Um, just just nice looking truck. I can't remember the trim level off the top of my head. Anyways, as he started working on it, he, he had to decide just e- even being an employee and being able to do the work himself, where was he going to spend his budget first? And it's something that, that Mike and I had a chance to talk a little bit about. It was really interesting because his first his first instinct was, I got tuning, I need a transmission. Um and he ended up going that way, but along the route, I really was a big proponent of the fuel system. I said, you know, look at a 10 mil CP4. Uh, even if we're going to run stock injectors and a stock turbo, which we're not in the long run, but for right now we are. Hey, man, there's still there's a lot of benefit of having something that reliable and that robust in the engine bay as opposed to jumping right into the built transmission. Both are weak points. If either one of them goes, it could be a really expensive day. So it's hard to say one's necessarily more of a, a more required than the other i'd say they're pretty 
pretty close in equality. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a, an interesting time talking to Mike about what it was like to put that transmission in there, what it was like to, to go and do the, the CP four. He's also done a turbo and some other things since then, a uh, lift pump and all of that. So really nice truck. We're hoping to see that, uh, out having some more attention here over the summer. Like I said, sled pulling. All right, guys. Well, I'll tell you what, I've held you up long enough. Uh, quick, real quick before we dive into it. Like I said, calibrated power always sponsors our special guest segment duramax tuner sponsors our show if you guys have not jumped on the duramax tuner youtube channel jump on and check out the diesel insights video talking about soot accumulation even if you're not into emissions equipment that's fine that's cool i think there's a lot of really great information there that diesel truck owners are going to love so make sure you jump on and check that out for now i will kick it over i'll kick it over to myself and chris interviewing brad sankey all right, guys, and now for my favorite portion of the show, uh, we're going to get into the Calibrated Power Presents, our special guest, and today we do have a returning special guest, yeah. Brad Sankey, who just went to Diesel Power Challenge to compete at DPC 2019. Brad, how the hell are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. So the first thing I want to ask here, I'm just going to dive into it, right? So you had a month to prepare. You're at, you know you're going to the event. How many hours was it to get there? Uh, to drive there, it was, according to GPS, it was 15 hours, uh, 15 and a half hours. It took us about 17 with fuel stops and okay. whatnot. You drove straight? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, I think we only rotated twice. Well, so let's dive into it. Day one, which is Sunday, right? That's yep. that's the day everyone that's meets just, in the parking lot. That's just checking in. Checking yeah. in. What was it like? Have you been to uh, the Colorado before? Like, What, what were your initial you know, uh, reactions to being there? So I was uh, I was in Colorado once before for all of two hours. Okay. Um, <laughs> so long story, but uh, getting there on Sunday it was it was very nice. Uh, the scenery is is fantastic. Uh, what I didn't expect was how how much the humidity changed during the day. So it's super humid in the morning, and then towards the end of the end of the afternoon it would be quite dry. That was unexpected. Sure, sure, absolutely. And hey, that first day getting in, you're you're just doing check-ins. So you go in the parking lot. They they pull any stickers you have off of your truck. You get stickered up, and then we all headed over to the ATS facility. Uh, what'd you think of that ATS facility? Oh, that, that facility is something else. Um, I I never quite understood how much um, Clint and his team over there do in house. You know, more so kind of went into it thinking, oh, yeah, you know, they, they in quotes, you know, build turbos. They they just put their own wheel and cover in them. No, they, they do a lot of the castings them, themselves, and it's not something that I actually anticipated. Yeah, it, it's an impressive facility. So I know on that day they took us around. They gave us this awesome tour. There was a lot of really standout. I know the foundry definitely caught my eye, uh, but not a lot of action on day one. So day two, we roll into the dyno, or I'm sorry, roll onto the dyno to do MPG testing. Uh, Brad, the truck performed well. You didn't have a lot of violations. Not the world's greatest results, though, at the end of it all. What what did it feel like to be on there doing the MPG testing for what essentially I think most guys were like about a 20-minute run? Yeah, it was. It actually ended up being, uh, someone timed it, it was like 21 minutes and 45 seconds, something like that. Yeah. Um, we ended up actually doing quite well in the overall consumption side of it. 
but I had uh, I had eight penalties. Oh, so, oh um, that's right. Yep. So we we did really good in the actual consumption. I had one of the lower actual consumptions, but had eight violations. Gotcha. So what that what that I think stemmed from is uh, we definitely drew the short end of the stick. Uh, we got to watch Jaron go in the, um, the ATS shop truck there, and uh, we were first. So the uh, the big the big single big stall truck from Wisconsin was first on the dyno and um, for the fuel economy test and that definitely didn't give us much opportunity to watch how other competitors were were modulating the throttle and getting up on the graph and following it. Um, so if you go and you actually look at let's say most of my violations probably happened in the first five minutes. Okay. Um, because that, that test is, is grueling. It's it's a small hill to start with, and it goes into, like, a simulated up to, like, 65-mile-an-hour, um, I want to call it, like, a hill climb, but, you know, it's 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 a heavily loaded section. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I did not think the truck would make it through the entire test, to be really <laughs> honest. Um, I, I figured it would have got hot. I would have figured coolant temps. I didn't. I wasn't too worried about coolant temp overall. I was more so worried about trans fluid temp running uh, first, second. I think we clipped third for about thirty seconds, but it was mostly first and second gear winding the thing all the way out. Um, with that thirty-four hundred stall being unlocked, it was it was definitely making some heat. Absolutely, man. And hey, hey, you made it through it. Um, you know, it was a, it was a tough final result. Like you said, you guys had, had started off fairly strong. Really hard to gauge how much throttle to give it, or did you need to get up on top of some of those hills? Uh, we could see guys where they were laying into it, and I just imagine watching a data log where like they're at twenty percent throttle, and all of a sudden they jump it to like fifty percent throttle, and realize, oh shit, that's not enough. And then they really lay on it and go all the way to the floor, and then uh, yeah. that's too much. They yeah. overshoot it. And then come back it's really yeah. hard to gauge because it's not just like feeling of driving on the road well, and maintaining a and consistent I mean, speed for any of the listeners out there you know granted i haven't been to ats's facility to see this test firsthand but just thinking about a big turbocharger truck and driving it on the street you know it's hard to grasp that just you know being on the road and operating the truck and i know uh for you brad you know you you've had a lot of experience to or driving this truck with a big single um but that still the preparation you know just really isn't there especially when you know you're going up a load or going up a hill where the trucks can get loaded onto you know so on and so forth yeah so you know it's tricky to drive a oh, yeah. truck in general oh yeah and it's it's way different when you don't actually see you know trees and other cars oh, yeah. living by you you know you're, <laughs> you're watching a screen out the driver's side window of your pickup and uh paul you were there uh there's there's one portion on that that second big hill where uh my my uh, brain was definitely not in it, and instead of unlocking the converter, I just decided to give her a foot full of throttle, and it pretty much smoked the room out then. Um, <laughs> so that definitely made it interesting because then your eyes your eyes hurt the whole whole rest of the twenty minutes or fifteen minutes, whatever's left. Yeah, yeah, and then also the, there's a portion of time where I imagine you couldn't even see the screen through the smoke. Uh, it got it got so no, not out. really. <laughs> we we melted uh, within the first I would say probably five minutes. We melted the um, called the soot collector the the piece that came down to go to their their exhaust ducting that was sitting over the stack that melted within 
probably five minutes. Yeah, oh my and God. then it was off the rest of the day. Nobody could run it. Yep. They just had all yep, of the ports in the dino bay with like open, and then just so trying to yep, suck exhaust out from everywhere. Yeah. Richard Coker went second with a hood stack, and um, yeah, I melted it with a stack in the box. He was running a set of compounds and melted it within the same spot I melted it. Coming up on that hill, it's, it really loads the truck hard, and it, there was no way around it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, hey, we got through that test, and then we came into day three where we're just running for peak power. Uh, you get a chance to have up to three runs in 30 minutes. You you are literally just going for your best combined numbers. They add up the horsepower and the torque. Where did you go throughout the day, Brad? Refresh my memory. Uh, so I think we were fourth, fourth or sixth um, running order. And then I think we ended up at the end of the day at, at seventh, uh, seventh position. And that's, uh, that says something because the truck made 1,081 horsepower uncorrected at 1,778 foot-pounds um, at like 5,800 feet. And uh, it would have it made more if uh, I'd let my balls drop a bit and put the bigger <laughs> nitrous jets in. How much nitrous were you running for that? Uh, so the first pull, I couldn't even get the truck into the test window. Yeah, I, I couldn't get enough boost to actually get through the test window. Um, the second pull where it actually started the test, we ran a single 41 jet, and that made like 860. So then for the second test, I turned on, um, turned on my actual progressive controller, and that had a, a single 88 jet, and that's when it made 1081. So for that... That run, I had uh, the 41 jet on a button, and I held that son of a bitch whole way through the uh, whole way through the test window, and then the 88 jet came on um, two seconds after going to wide open, but it, it hit right around 2,900, 3,000 RPM. So it, uh, it it wasn't a ton of nitrous, you know, compared to everybody else in the field that actually was spraying their truck. That was that was one of lower amounts used. Sure. And still came out being one of the seven trucks over a thousand horsepower, uh, so which is the first time that's ever happened at DPC. Also, setting a thousand horsepower uncorrected at roughly five thousand foot of elevation, single charger. Yeah. Uh, most of the other guys yeah. in the competition obviously all running twin kits, expecting to be able to kind of help with the truck yeah. essentially at that power level still stay cool. Brad's doing it all on a single S four eighty sled pull turbo. <laughs> Yeah, now, yeah, I was I was uh, not expecting that. Now let me ask you this: I mean, you know, the, going into this, you know, when we had you on the podcast prior, talking about would you set something up different with the truck, you know, change setup, so on and so forth, and then day one is your MPG test, and there, there's no denying that the big turbocharger was not in your favor, and then day, you know, day three on the dyno, you're operating on the dyno and you're using nitrous to get the turbocharger to come into motion. You know, we know what the truck's capabilities are even at sea level, and it's not the easiest thing to operate. Did you have a second thought in your head at that point that, man, maybe I should have done compounds or done something a little smaller, or were you pretty much sold on the way you brought the truck there? Oh, God, yeah. If I, if I were doing it again, it would have been, you know, it would be a, a set of S300, S400 compounds. Okay. okay. Um, you know, the, the, the big single is, is awesome. You know, it's, it's so much fun when that thing lights, but... 
the key word is one at light. Right. So <laughs> to, to make over, you know, to make almost 1,100 horsepower, we only made 54 pounds of boost. Oh, wow. That's all the thing made. Yeah. And I've seen, you know, down here on the street, I've seen 60, 65 on fuel. So. It just goes yeah, to, to show the difference there. Yeah, I mean, we're, I'm not even tapping the injectors for all they've got yet. I mean, it's, it's, it's on a very, very conservative pulse width. Now, as as this test came up, one of the other things I noticed is most guys out out at DPC had never operated a truck while it's strapped down to the dyno before. Chris, you and I have talked to, talked about this at, at length at other interviews. Uh, Brad, what is something that you would tell somebody who's brand new to running a dyno since I think you have all three passes under your belt now? <laughs> I would say uh, definitely set the test window conservative. Um because that was one thing that was kind of a gray area in the rules is it said, yeah, you get you get three pulls on the dyno. Um, the rules didn't state once you pick a gear, that's the gear you're in for all three runs, which is which is fine. But, um, yeah, definitely if you think your turbo spools at, you know, let's say 2,200 RPM, add two to 400 RPM. Um, it's just based on coming from sea level to going to Denver, and trying to actually make power there, it, it's a nightmare. No, I would definitely have to say, you know, having trucks on our dyno and the, the amount of time I've spent here and going to different dyno events, when, when a dyno operator asks the end user, you know, the owner of the truck, hey, where do you want the, you know, the RPM? Like for us, you know, it's a little different. We know what RPM window to run in, but you're having the opportunity to choose that. And you really don't think about when you're driving the truck on the street, okay, when does the truck come to life? When is the truck responsive? You don't think about that sometimes. Yeah. So then you have like, oh, uh, well, I don't know, you know, and then it's just, it kind of screws everything up. I don't know how many guys have been here, run their trucks on the dyno, come down to the other end of the building and I'm talking to them outside and I'm like, oh, where'd your truck make peak power? and they're like uh right uh yeah at, at the top of the and power that, curve yeah you, you know like most guys e even <laughs> after a dyno run still have no idea yeah. what rpm their truck made absolute final peak power uh so knowing that i think is definitely that's a that's a good heads up there yeah. now the dyno yeah. is something you can prepare for eighth mile trailer tow or eighth mile trailer race not really something guys can go and practice at, at mm, least not safely. I mean, anything's right. possible, Paul. Come on. <laughs> but Brad, I mean, there are no laws in Mexico. So. <laughs> but, Brad, I mean, you have trailer, you know, towing experience, and, I mean, you have, you know, the sled pulling background. Uh, so was this much of a challenge for you? Like, tell me about that day. What did that, what, what did that experience feel like? So I wasn't horribly worried going into um, – Anything at the drag strip, I, I was definitely a little concerned with the actual like quarter mile heads up racing. But the the eighth mile trailer tow, I more so was worried that I was going to break the truck. Um, <laughs> from that standpoint of ever since I put a built motor in the truck, I've never launched it on the on the street at all on four wheel drive ever. What? I have not once done it. <laughs> it's always it, it scared me to the point where I didn't want to break something not near a place that I could fix it. Okay. So then, oh, you just, so then you just do a four-wheel drive launch in front of the shop that you would go to fix it, right? <laughs> I mean, it's actually like a couple miles out on the back road. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's something I've never, I, not once I've never done, but not something I do regularly with the truck. I mean, it's, it's uh, mainly built as a puller and a hot street toy, so... Yeah. 
Um, going into that, uh, the plan was just to leave soft because I think the second guy up, one of the first couple people, uh, sheared the slide collar in his front disc and then grenaded the actuator and uh, the Billy Hartzell in his Duramax. Yeah. So that's what I was trying to avoid. I didn't want to leave the line hard, um, but I also didn't realize how long it was going to take for the 480 to actually light, even with leaving it 10, 15 pounds of boost. So what was that like? So it, it, what was that like leaving at the leaving at the line? loading the truck up and then going into it that did it build up 10 15 pounds and then once it was against the truck it kind of fell off or did it maintain that and it just took a while to build up real real quick background before you answer that brad before all of this started the track officials and kj said okay has anybody ever has anybody not raced before only one guy raised <laughs> his hand brad that was me. <laughs> i've never never was on a drag strip until i went to denver okay um, that was the first time I'd gone to a drag strip. So staging was pretty simple. Um, we, we used a, a fourth gear, or sorry, four high second gear uh, trans tune. So I had all the load I needed to spool the charger. It's just when I when I left, I rolled out easier because um, I thought the, the truck was going to spool. Not like my 475 did, but I figured it was going to come up a little quicker than it did. Um, that's that's inexperience on my part, but uh, once it lit, man, it we ended up um, we were one of the slower ETs, but we had the second fastest mile an hour uh, by less than one mile an hour. Wow! So yeah. it, it picked it up on the back half, and if uh, Paul, I sent you the data log. If you want to show Chris, you can see where I locked the converter, and it lost like eighteen pounds of boost. Oh, 15, 18 pounds of boost. You can see it. It locked the converter and it almost snuffed out. So oh, I reached yeah. over and grabbed the, the nitrous button. <laughs> um, and that was a single 62 jet. And it it woke the truck right back up and it, it freight trained to the end. What do you think, Chris? Can we rig up uh, a single switch that you can lock the converter and spray, spray nitri- nitrous, nitrous at, at the, the same, same time? time? I mean, I would have. <laughs> I mean, granted. One of the things that we joke around about me and my buddy when we go to the track, like with the cars, um, you know, the, the the cars that we deal with, they're known for like lack of oil pressure, right? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, a buddy of mine had one of the cars at the track and the car lost oil pressure and he stayed in it. And I'm like, you have the gauge sitting right there. You see the cars dropping oil pressure back out of it in the middle of in the cockpit when you're going, you, you don't look at anything. You're yeah. just your eyes on the prize. You want to get to the end of the track. Right. Exactly. So. You know, granted, when you're thinking about it, you know, a big charger like that, I would have wanted to lock the converter up around 25, 30 pounds. That, that's just me. But you don't realize that at the time. Oh, it you, was. You're going off of engine sound. <laughs> you know, you hear our engine come well, up, it, and then you're adrenaline, and you hit it. It was like 45 pounds of boost. But the problem was I was still in the fluid coupling side of the converter. So when I locked the converter, every RPM just shut the, the bed. Right down. That makes sense. Yeah. So you weren't you were yep. you were at eighteen pounds once the converter locked up, not you were at eighteen pounds when you locked the locked converter. The converter Makes right. sense. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was at like 40, 40, 45 pounds and then I hit the, the lock up button and it lost fifteen to eighteen pounds of boost, so it dropped down to like twenty five, thirty, and you can see that in a data log. Um, 
You could see it from the media tower. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, run, run. It was kind of a a slow takeoff. Like you said, he kind of eased it out of the gate. Uh, So it comes up and it comes up. And you can see he's starting to like build up. And you're like, oh, this thing is going. And then it's like, and then just then just wide out. Uh, That's why like, yeah, when he says he back after it, he means he fucking back after. So he went through several nitrous bottles in this event. We only went through (laughs) one 15 pound bottle. Now that's impressive. Yeah, they didn't because, bring any balloons. Because I need, I need to grow, I need to grow some more balls. That's, that's about <laughs> it. I mean, when you go to these events, you, you you bring all your balls and you use all the spray. <laughs> well, I, I brought three bottles. We brought. Four <laughs> You're gonna say I brought three balls? <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I brought a spare. <laughs> but no, it was that was my first time ever using nitrous was on the dyno, and it. You know, I, I was a lot more confident going into it on, um, it would have been day three, you know, at, at the, the drag strip. Um, so we upsized the uh, the jet. I'm a, I don't want to call it a spool jet, but it was on a, a manual button um, intended for spooling, but it, the truck spooled up just fine. So we ended up using that single 62 jet um, the entire day. Yeah. And you used it over in the quarter-mile heads-up racing. Um, qualifying did all right. Hey, enough to qualify, right? Got into we qualified the, fifth. Yep, fifth, so so real solid. Um, got enough to get into the bracket, so you're in the bracket with the, the quick eight, which they actually, because three of the guys had broken at this point, yeah. a, a bunch of people had just eight. a bye, so it was really a quick six. Uh, and Brad, you lined up against Steven Lucero, who had put down a significant amount more horsepower. Uh, also, just a solid run of truck. I got, I got nothing bad to say about Steven Lucero's truck. If you've oh, no, seen Steven's it, truck is it's awesome. amazing. Uh, beautiful Cummins. You'd love it, Chris. Yeah, he has a beautiful goldish mega. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a nice truck. And, nice, great guys too. And and he Real nice guys. he qualified second or third, I think third throughout the second. day. Second, so he was qualified second. He was fast. Yeah. Uh, but you guys, man, what a fucking nail biter of a run! Tell us about that run against uh, <laughs> Lucero's Mega. So, like I told Stephen um, after the banquet, I'm like, man, I felt like a dick. I was coming up into the, into the, the staging lights. And I'm like, I don't know where the damn lights are. So. <laughs> We're rolling into the beams trying to find him, and I found him, and I ended up, uh, luckily he was he was staged and ready to go um, on the first bulb, but I, I ended up uh, breaking the first and the second bulb, and um, I ended up treating him by about a tenth of a second, and so mind you, this is my second ever drag strip pass, and the truck went 11.39 at 126.8. Wow. Um, yeah. And it, he, uh, the margin of victory on his side was point, uh, about eighth of a second, point one, point one three four four seconds. Yeah. And we were we were side by side the whole race. Um, he got me the first probably three hundred feet, um, and then at the eighth I started picking up. So the truck ran uh, seven forty nine at a hundred in the eighth, and ended up going you know eleven thirty nine at one twenty six. And at at the end of the quarter mile, um, I shit you not, it was maybe half of a hood was all that separated us. My uh, my head was at about the um, the B pillar of his truck. I mean, it was it was that close. Wow. Yeah, dude. Another probably fifty feet. <laughs> Try to you know let my balls drop and put the bigger jet in. 
And that's all it yeah, takes. That's a lot I, of what if. I mean, I mean balls when, dropping. When you're at, when you're at TPC, you also don't know because we also saw guys blowing up. Right. I mean, at this point, we lost three guys in qualifying. We lost another guy during the racing. Um, I, I mean, yeah. trucks are breaking left and right yeah. around you. So it's like when you say maybe I should have ran a bigger <laughs> shot of nitrous. Yeah, you know, maybe. Right. Maybe that bigger shot of nitrous right. would have just no. put you out of the entire yeah. competition. I mean, right now it's you. At the end of the day, I mean, we have a couple more days to get through, but your truck stayed in one piece, and it's back home safe and sound, right? Yeah, the truck, um, you know, after the the entire week of beating it, like, owed me money, uh, it it drove itself up onto the trailer. It it runs just fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not hurt. No, maybe you brought Um, just the right size of balls for the event. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that was the thing that that everyone, uh, well, shouldn't say everyone my my father and i were trying to play conservative and the two other gentlemen on my team were uh tried to try to throw the old 136 jet in there on me and uh i caught them doing that so that was interesting but um <laughs> yeah it, it was a, it was a fine line to walk of how far do i push it versus where is it going to stay running you know, because I could have, we had three, we had three kits of spray on the truck. I could have put, you know, three big ass jets in it. And it would have probably made 1400 on a dyno. There was that much fuel left. Sure. I don't know. You know, it's, 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 I could sit here and say, I could have done this. I could have done that. But at the end of the day, to me, keeping the truck running and making over a thousand horsepower in Denver, almost 1100 horsepower uncorrected. I can't be upset with that. Yeah, you're not lying there, man. And you know what? I mean, it, it's strategy because it allowed you to go to the cone course, which is something that really beat on the trucks hard. I, th- I think harder than it has in past years. And that's because this year they stretched yeah, the course out. Yeah, two of them. Yeah. That was, that was uh, one hell of a cone course. <laughs> put it that way. There were um, three. Everyone who was watching it, everyone who was watching got to see the first natural aspirated to Duramax. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean, we, we made... Nine pounds of boost is all the truck made on the cone court at like 4,600 RPM. You didn't use any nitrous? <clears throat> uh, no, I did not. Okay. I did not. Um, each straight stretch was 300 feet. And, uh, yeah, we we took second in that event um, behind Richard Coker by less than 10 seconds. Okay. If I wouldn't have hit, if I wouldn't hit a cone on the second corner or would have remembered I had a trailer hooked up and I had to turn the wheel right to go left uh, we would have done better but I'm not going to complain at, at taking second I mean, but that just goes to show though I mean I, I know you have a lot of experience with towing trailers and things like that so a lot of that, that background really helped you in that event am I wrong I would say you're correct it also was the standpoint of uh, I'm going to throw this thing into the corner and hopefully it doesn't roll. Because <laughs> I, I came into that last corner hot. Um, I, I honestly thought it was going to push you at the end of the truck out. Yeah. yeah you, and, can, you can hear it in the, in the video. And that's an event that had so much more to do with focusing and, and being smart. And you can't take your time. This is where I think some of the guys played it too conservative this year. They, they literally, they crawled through the course. Or, or if they weren't lined up perfect, they 
change gear, drive forward, line up again, and then do the yep. reverse portion. Yeah. And that just, that murdered time. You got to be willing to hit some cones. Uh, but on the same token, you got to be paying attention because you can't be Conezilla and just right, eat just a whole row of them. them out because you get this point, you know. You get, right. There, there's, right. like you said before, Brad, there's a balance between the two of, of knowing how hard to push the truck, how, how far back to hold back on it. When there's a 10-second gap between you and the next guy, I don't think nitrous in those two 300 foot straightaways was going to make oh, not, make up 10 seconds. Absolutely not. You, you know what I mean? There, there's oh no, there's no benefit to that. Uh, and and you racked up the points. And and then I think where you really shined was of course on the last day with what the truck is built for. And this is something even the other competitors were calling out saying, oh, I think that guy from Wisconsin, yeah. you know, he's probably going to do pretty good at the sled pull. And fuck yeah, you did good at the sled pull. <laughs> I mean, we only won it by like, I think it was thirty-five to forty feet. Only thirty-five to forty. <laughs> All right, tough Brad. track. <laughs> tough track. Uh, it, it really was. I talked to you right before uh, you actually had a chance to go out and run, or right before the the. I think even the numbers were drawn. I was just getting set up. We're gonna kick over to what Brad had to say about the track right before his first run on it. I'm here with Brad Sankey. Looking at the dirt, this is the loosest gravel you will ever pull in. Yeah, this is the worst track I've seen. Um, it's real loose. It's, underneath the top soft layer is just real crumbly, dry dirt. No clay, nothing. It's it's going to be a low horsepower track. I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark here and say you have the most sled pull experience in the field. Um, who do you think is going to have a tough time out here? Everybody. Everybody. It's You're going to fight for traction. It hops out the hole at about 30 feet. Um, it's you, you can't come out hard on this on this track. Boom, and now we're back uh, with Brad, and yeah, not not that pretty. Uh, it was really dry. It was really loose. It was really sandy. There's a lot of big rocks in it. Tell us about the difference of pulling at DPC compared to pulling back home. Uh, well, the charger did not want to light, um, and I even tried to use nitrous. But when I turned it on, it had a leak at the bottle. Um, I didn't have a, a wrench to tighten that. But trying to get that, that big charger spooled at elevation, it was like 9,100 feet density altitude. Um, it, was, it was really hot. It was really dry. Um, you know, it was like 90 degrees, is what my truck told me, um, on the, the bank's data logger. So, yeah, there's, there's not much air there. And then... Um, Pulling, pulling the track itself, the track was, was super, super dry. There was not much in it. It was it was all just dirt. You know, there was no, no clay content in it, nothing to keep it firm. So as soon as you broke through that, that little bit of crust, per se, that was there, it's, there was nothing. You know, good, good tracks are not dust storms. <laughs> do you think the track got worse as the day went on do you think it would have been tougher if you would have been further back in the order um that's hard to say because it seemed like the more trucks that made it over that like 100 115 foot area where there was kind of a little bump that was putting everyone into a hop um that that kind of seemed to smooth out as the day went on i think we were fourth out of eight yeah. total trucks that were actually still running. Um, but, yeah, the difference seemed to be that uh, I think the only, the only other competitor that had fun pulled was Matt Meyer in his OBS Ford. So when a truck starts to hop, 
when you when you sled pull often, you know, okay, I have to unlock the converter or do I give it more beans? Well, this one was an unlock the converter and pedal the truck. But then you also know once the truck starts to settle down, you lay right back into it to plant the truck. And it seems like guys would either lift all the way or like Stephen Lacero, um, he had probably 30, 40 pound balls. And as the whole truck came off the ground multiple times. Lucero and, and his uh, crew, very little sled pull experience. Oh Their plan was legit, get out of the hole hard and then give it the nitrous right away. I I can't make this shit up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't yeah, record it. I heard him saying it and just kept walking. Yeah. Yep, that, that was legitimately their plan. Um, oh, and they, and they did it. Yep. Didn't work well, but, but they did it. <laughs> um, yeah, that was definitely not a not a track where nitrous would help anybody. Um, there's there's nothing there to hold anything. Yeah. Yeah, but you still did it. You still crushed it at the slide pole. Showed showed the guys from all across the country what we do here in the Midwest. I love to see it. The truck yeah, Paul, ran great. What we do. You're a great sled puller. I just <laughs> want to point that out. Brad, you did a great job. Don't listen to him. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, you still kicked ass overall at the competition. I definitely think you, you put a, a, a really nice highlight there for the Duramax guys out there. Seeing your truck, that that's not a beauty queen. Uh, you know, Brad's rusty LLY is is it's got rust everywhere man it, it, it looks rough but it performed like a champ every single day of dpc and that's what i was really excited to see uh brad if you hey, had weight reduction man <laughs> that's weight reduction is all that is if you're going to talk to guys this summer brad about maybe guys who want to get into dpc in the future what advice will you be giving them overbuild the drive line because I can tell you not having to be that guy that's working on my truck 24-7 at DPC was awesome. You know, we got to actually <laughs> spend time and enjoy enjoy the area instead of working until 2, 4, 6, you know, whatever time in the morning. Yeah. Um, overbuild everything, basically. I mean, it's, you don't want to be having an engine failure, a trans failure. Uh, you don't want to blow a drive shaft because I don't know where you're going to get one. Um you know things things like that um go with a moderately sized set of compounds don't don't try to reinvent the wheel um you know go with something that works something that's proven either a, a vgt f400 or you know s3 s4 compound they work great if you uh if you got the money for it you can go get it but um I don't, I don't know many people in this area win the lottery, so. I mean, let me ask, let me ask you this, Brad. I mean, you know, uh, check-in was check-in, and I know, you know, for you to just drive out there, you know, and, and you don't have the resources generally to get on a dyno a day or two in advance or hook up to a trailer, but do you think that maybe getting there a day or two in advance and just driving the truck at that altitude to kind of get a feel for it, you think that would have helped you at all? Um, I don't know if it would have helped. I mean, we drove, so when we showed up on... We, we arrived Saturday, late Saturday night, um, and we dropped the gooseneck and the truck off in the parking lot and drove to the place we were staying at. Uh, the next morning, we were wrenching on it at 8 in the morning, putting a third stage of nitrous on it. Um, but we drove it to the meet and greet on Sunday, Sunday night at ATS, 
and then Monday you got to. So once once you're there, you can't trailer your truck unless it's broken. So we drove it um, obviously to Red Rocks Amphitheater, which that alone was a learning experience. Um, for one, I, I don't have a ton of seat time on this turbo and converter. I just don't. So trying to learn learn how I can and can't drive it took me a couple days. Um, so it, it could be beneficial. Uh, I don't think it would definitely be. I don't think it would be the uh, deciding factor. Sure. Fair enough. Awesome, man. Well, Brad, we appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your experiences about being a Diesel Power Challenge and competing at one of the most respected events in the, of, uh, in the country and in the industry. Anybody you want to give a shout-out to? Uh, Calibrated Power, uh, PPE, My Shop, k Service, um, Kill Devil Diesel, Gander Automotive Group, Garen Transmission, Extra G Performance, um, there's probably more in there that I'm forgetting, but no worries, Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, sponsors. <laughs> it makes makes this doable. Definitely helps makes this doable. Absolutely. Well, Brad, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Listeners for today, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Thanks for listening. If I see y'all out together and you hear me yell, nutty buddy, just know 